0: This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM
1: Channel 371. Packer and Durham pre power hour is upon us as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Number for the show is 844 SAY ACCN. NBA draft tonight and uh, making his 49th appearance as he just got done telling Kevin Kisner he's still away. Seth Greenberg joins us
2: (laughs) from parts unknown. Mr. Greenberg, how are we doing? No, that guy's never away because he hits it right at the stick. It's unbelievable. (laughs) He's got my darts going right at this stick. I, when I swung, I said, Kevin, turn away. I don't want to ruin your weekend. You know, it, it, you know, it's funny when you play with a PGA
1: Tour guy. They really do make an incredibly hard sport. Really look simplistic, don't they? It's fairways, it's greens. They're never out of line. Everything's right in front of them.
2: It, they just really make the game look easy. Uh, the guy was unbelievable. He, he actually, so uh, I think it's uh, three. It's a kind of a slight leg right, but... You can drive it right into actually two's fairway. Uh, I drive it right into two's fairway by mistake. He did it on purpose. I said, why would you do that? He said, it's 20 yards closer. They cut down that tree in front of the green. He said, I hit it 2 a 285 or whatever. It's 20 yards closer than if I hit it in the middle of the fairway, 285. I mean, mm-hmm. like the analytics of what they do and how they prepare for a round and the notes he was taking throughout mm-hmm. the round was fascinating. But what a, ple- what a really easy guy to root for. Obviously, a huge Georgia fan and uh, just a really, really good person. Yep.
3: Yeah. Hey, uh, for Seth 40, tonight is – well, there, that's there, – there is the uh, – you know, there's the concession, right? I got gotcha. you. Um, I want to pivot to tonight, but I want to do it in a, in a way because I've always – and I told Pac this in, in the first hour – Sometimes I think I see a guy at the collegiate level and somehow or another he doesn't project. Mark mentioned Alondis Williams, the ACC player of the year, and how he does not project in any of these mocks, at least right now. Doesn't mean he's not going to be on a team, but it's going to be a different track. As opposed to A.J. Griffin, uh, Blake Wesley, Jake LaRavia, all guys expected to go at some point tonight. Uh, What's what's the difference maker at the next level that we don't – see or project as comfortably from the college game in your mind? Can you defend
2: and, and make a play? Uh, you do you have positional size? What's your upside? Um, and then, you know, what's your value? Like Jake LaRavia, he has, he has a skill. He's 6'9", he can shoot the ball. He's a very good passer, high basketball IQ, a physicality. In the new NBA, he's a fit because he, he has a positional skill offensively and he's actually better defender than people think. A.J. Griffin is all about upside. See, here's the thing. I agree, like a Williams, I think he's gonna have a chance eventually to stick with someone. But the NBA doesn't look at it that way. It's mind boggling. You take a 22 year old from Europe who's played in the EuroLeague, all right? And people say, you know what? He's a good prospect. You take a 22 year old that's a college player that's played in the ACC and you know what people say? How much better can he get? So a Williams is like a quarterback that had one really good year and you look at him and you say, you know what? He's intriguing, but he's not intriguing enough that we're going to hmm. we're going to waste a second-round draft choice on him because of his, you know, they they project they they look at his upside and his lack of productivity in relation to his first three years, which I think is wrong. I think he's he's an interesting prospect. They'll get a two-way, I I, I would expect, and try to play his way in. We got a lot of guys that have played their way into to the league. If you look at you know, look what the the, the Heat have done with with two-way players, uh, you know, Duncan Robinsons of the world. I mean, there are opportunities. Dorian Finney-Smith didn't ever got drafted, and he just signed a $46 million contract. So it is yeah. interesting.
3: The latest, the latest example is Jose Alvarado of Georgia Tech, who sure. went a two-way to the Pelicans last year and ended up being a piece in their playoffs too. Pac- but he's Sorry. an impact, but there Jose
2: Alvarado has a, has a skill set. He's a disruptive defensively. Yep. So, like, he has a fit. Like, if you want a guy that's just going to get up under, underneath people, be disruptive defensive, be an aggressive, make you react to them. Alonis Williams is, hmm. in a lot of ways, as a guard, more of a plotter, more physical, strong. But can you Max Struess? Max Struess found a, a, a spot with, uh, obviously, with the Heat. So I think he's going to have a shot. But, uh, you know, I think the draft is a futures market. That's just the way it is. Uh, and there are a lot of players from the ACC that, that fit that mold.
1: Seth, once we get done with tonight, when, when Wes and I get back here tomorrow, and give me the one ACC player that you think will be a surprising story based on whether they were picked high or low based on expectations for tonight. Who's the one guy that we'll talk about tomorrow?
2: I think there are two guys. I think Mark Williams is going to pick, be picked higher. Mm-hmm. I think Mark Williams is going to go early. I think Mark Williams can go in the lottery. I think he could go to the Knicks quite honestly, wow. potentially. I, I think that people are missing on, on, on Mark Williams. I think look, look, he can run. He can block shots. He can rebound the ball. Yeah. He can finish around the basket. He can play in the dunker spot. He can play vertically. Uh, he can shoot the ball a little bit to the 15-foot line. He's going to have to improve as a passer, but he's a relentless worker. I think A.J. Griffin's going to drop a little bit. I think that, uh, he, look, he's an elite shooter, and everyone says 3 and D, but he doesn't have great, great feet. Um, I think people question a little bit of, of, of the shake to his game. Can he, can he create shots? Like right here, that's a, that's a big time play. Can he do that more often? Can he turn the corner and do that more often? Uh, and then, you know, the NBA right now is, you know, you think of Tatum, you think of Jalen Brown. It is a, a league of what I call, you know, floor gamers. Uh, can he guard those floor gamers athletically and he's not he's not a next level athlete he's a physical athlete i think he's going to be a really good pro but i think he is dropping a little bit
3: seth is um is banquero got a chance to be one to orlando today
2: I don't think so. I think he's going to – I don't think so. I think he'll end up three in Houston. And I think the difference between Jabari Smith and Bancaro is uh, Orlando's culture and identity, they've got to get a little bit of toughness on the defensive end. Bancaro's most ready physically, 6'10", we know, 255. Uh, great when he drives, it spins, and gets to the rim. Can play off the elbow. Shoots the three, but doesn't, great, shoot, doesn't shoot it great. Jabari Smith's just an elite, elite shooter, but he's also an elite defender. And if I'm Orlando, hmm. I need a two-way player. And Paolo this year did not defend uh, in a way that basically you can say he's going to develop into a two-way player. Blake was ridiculous—to okay. me, he's Chris Weber. He's the best passer, passing big guy in a draft.
1: Blake Wesley to me is also intriguing. Um, again, yeah. I, congratulations to all these guys chasing their dream. Incredible. I, I still think he could have used another year in college, but that's beside the point. He's going ahead and roll the dice and let's go. Uh, there is huge upside there, though, isn't there? I mean, like you said, this is a futures market tonight from an NBA perspective.
2: Yeah, there is an upside. He's got upside because of his ability to get to the rim, his ability to finish, his ability to create easy offense off the bounce. He's got legitimate transferable size. Uh, I think he could be a very good defender because of his length. I think Blake Wesley, uh, yeah, he could have come back and he could have played himself at the lottery. And that's an interesting thing. So Blake Wesley might go, say, 20, between 15 and 20. If he came back and played himself at the lottery, he he actually loses money by uh, going... In this year, because you know what he would have been slotted as a lottery pick, a high lottery pick, would have been different. Now, if he would have stayed in the same spot, you know, nothing ventured, nothing lost. But yeah, but Blake mm. Wesley is all about the futures market. But he is an elite, slashing downhill. You know, a lot of people say Jaden Ivy a year ago, and look what happened with Jaden mm. Ivey. Ivy. Jaden Ivy was going to go in the top four.
3: Ah, good point. Um, all right, let's pivot to next year. We saw Pete Nance was the transfer added to Carolina. That's I want to say fill the Brady manic spot. I'm not going to go there. He's the guy on the roster, right? Carolina may go another route in terms of their lineup. Doesn't shoot like Brady. Given where we are, yeah. Given where we are today, if if I were to ask you, there's a lot of hype on Carolina because of the guys coming back. We know Duke's had a terrific recruiting class. Who's your next team in the order, Seth? Who are you next thinking about from the ACC perspective? Virginia, Florida State on the bounce back, Notre Dame brought back just about everybody except Wesley. I mean, Louisville, Kenny's done a great job, it looks like, early on here. What, what are we looking at beyond the Duke Carolina uh, consortium at the top?
2: I think I think Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame has solidified themselves. They've got back to their identity. You know, return on investment is a big thing with Mike Bray. And he's got, you know, get old and stay old. He's been able to stay old. And I think that's really, really important. So, uh, you know, my gut feeling is, is is Notre Dame. I mean, I think Virginia's going to be better. Obviously, getting Kihei ba- back is, is a huge, huge plus. They're still going to struggle scoring. Uh, that's just the way it is. I think Florida State's a little bit of a wild card, even though losing, you know, Butler is, I don't think that was it a really big thing but they do lose some veteran players I think the most interesting thing is Carolina because you know Carolina went from in November what's wrong with Carolina and you know and, and all <laughs> the stuff with Uber to the final four and now the, totally different expectation different expectation individually in terms of each one of those players coming back why did they come back to improve their draft stock and then obviously expectation collectively you know we went to the final four we're game away from winning the whole thing uh You know, we are expected to win national championship. I mean, you get these guys back, uh, you know, that's that's the goal. So the pressure, finding a way to compartmentalize the players, individual goals and expectations and collectively managing the expectation two totally different things. Uh, And Hmm. the static that's going to be around the players individually and then obviously the pressure that's going to be around the program collectively. I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to watch with Carolina.
1: Seth, it does seem before we let you go that that the conference is in a better position today than a year ago when Wes and I would have these conversations and go man I I know we don't know what a roster is going to look like until October but where did everybody go it just feels like the league is light
2: years ahead of where it was a year ago feels that way if I was the league my marketing my marketing program would be really simple we're back ACC basketball we're back and then I'd list show all those guys that are returning (laughs) the Carolina guys Smith uh the chef key all you could you could just list all these guys that are coming back and say we're back acc basketball forget about that narrative all right we are the standard and we are back if i was the marketing director Mm -hmm. for basketball and i would start it right now i would have billboards throughout north carolina i would get that slogan out on on this show we've Mm -hmm. the messaging for the league has got to change plain and simple. With the number of guys that are returning, the concept should be we're back and then show the players that have decided to return and the impact they could have on not just Carolina, but the league as a whole.
3: Boom. There you go. All right. Tee it high, let it fly. Remember, guest people, be on the lookout. Yeah, There's a shark be, in the water today in hey, Connecticut. Be
2: careful on the left because my last two drives, I had a little, I got a little snappy, so I got to get that straight no, no. out today. No, no,
3: no. <laughs> No, no. Shark in the water today (laughs) and the member guest. Shark in the water. See you, Coach. Be well. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. You bet. Seth Greenberg joining us. Uh, Always a fun time. All right. When we come back, best and worst of 21-22. On a Thursday? Yeah. We got it cranked up for you. We'll show it to you next. Packer and Durham rolls on the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast.
1: Packer and Durham, well, we're back. According to Seth Greenberg, 844 SAY ACCN <laughs> is the number for the program. But I think Seth's right. You hear the bump? I, yeah, I heard the bump. Do it's you, perfectly no, no. Do you hear the bumper? Yes, I do. It's perfect. gonna just play music
3: you know your James Brown story is one of my all-time favorite stories you tell true so when I hear James Brown and Get see back. you Get I start laughing
1: I met the man it's one of my all-time fa- it will be in the book <laughs> it will be in the book And if you've never heard that story, when you hear that story or read about it, you're going to think I'm making it up, and it's not a made-up story. One of the all-timers. Pac-Man! Hey, Pac-Man, we're going with Jim Crockett. I'll have to tell that story someday. (laughs) If you did not listen to Primetime with the Pac-Man back in the day, syndicated in North and South Carolina, (sighs) it did happen. Me and James Brown. One of the all-timers.
3: And the band, don't and forget the, the band. The entire the band Slaves came with him.
1: The entire band, girlfriends, wives, <laughs> band, groupies—they were all hanging out in the studio. All timers. You know, I can probably find that picture somewhere. I, I probably got that in uh, storage somewhere. That picture we took with James Brown in the studio that day, eating ribs, chicken. That hey, 8 man. Get that battle back what that Pac Man. He's a classic. James oh, Brown was really. awesome.
3: All right. Uh best of twenty one, twenty-two. The academic and athletic season is, is complete in the ACC. And uh we thought we'd throw a best and worst at you here on a Thursday to kind of you know, close the book, if you will. Um you gotta start with Pittsburgh at the top, right? They won wow. the ACC championship for the first time. Finalists for the Heisman Trophy, ACC Player of the Year. Uh, personification of the full rebuild by Pat Narduzzi with that program. Um, 11 wins, New Year's Six. Congratulations to everybody involved in this whole deal. My goodness. What a team.
1: Great year. Uh, the Kenny Pickett story was tremendous. Coming back, going, hey, listen, the NFL can wait Uh, adds to his academic prowess, not to mention hardware. You mentioned the Heisman finalists. But Pitt, quite frankly, that defense was great. They won big games. Uh, Pat Narduzzi had a vision, and you've got them coming back to the ACC football championship as of June 23rd. Uh, And for folks at Discount (laughs) Pitt football moving forward, you are making a terrible mistake. Now, granted, those first two games of the season are important. Backyard brawl with West Virginia – uh, big Bad Mighty Tennessee, classless like they like to call themselves. I guess it's just their baseball team. Uh, they come rolling in there as a replay of last year's uh, Johnny Major's Invitational, a game that Pitt won at Neyland Stadium. So the first two games of the season are really important, but that Pitt team should be very, very good.
3: Yep. Wake uh, Wake football. Dave Clawson's team was in the ACC championship game. They won 11 games for the second time in program history. Only other time was 2006. And a terrific year for Coach Clawson, his staff. And, of course, they bring back a lot of ammo for 2022.
1: Said the other day, he has built a heck of a program, and for folks that just kind of discount Wake, is oh, that's a nice story. You don't know what you're talking about. Got to do a little deeper dive. Uh, the digs have been good now for a while, and uh, last year was a breakthrough year. They win the Atlantic Division. They're playing for the ACC title. They win the Gator Bowl. Double digits and wins And, West. They are going to put up a ton of points this year. Sam Harton's back, and their yep. brothers back on that side. If there's any kind of improvement on the defensive side. Wake's going to be a problem for everybody. Just telling you, if if Brad Lambert and that defense gets better, and they need to, uh, Wake is going to put points on people. So the Deeks are the real deal, man. They can play.
3: Yep. Uh, Let's pivot to the pitch. Uh, Clemson and Florida State. The ACC took home both national championships in soccer. Clemson winning the men's crown for the first time since 1987. Mike Noonan and his staff do a terrific job with Clemson. And they win the College Cup at the Wake Med Soccer Park outside of Raleigh. And then Florida State, Mark Krikorian, what ends up being his final bow. They win their third national championship in the last eight years. Yuli Zhao's PK, the winner for the Noles. Uh, from Florida
1: State, it was redemption, right? What could have been the year before, and it was like, hey, we're coming back for unfinished business. Every time we talk to a Florida State soccer player, you can almost see it in their eyes, Wes, that, hey, unfinished mm-hmm. business. It's not complete until we close the deal, and they did. And for Clemson, I mean, let's be honest, Notre Dame won the ACC Men's Soccer Championship clemson won the national championship we call we have harped on this since we've been doing this show soccer in this league on both the men's and women's side quality at the top quality depth it's a giant league it's got if you love soccer this is your conference and obviously the hardware this year kind of personifies everything we're talking about clemson's got it on the men's side florida state yeah. on the ladies side and the league will be dominant again for the upcoming 22 23 campaign too
3: but, ladies and gentlemen, let's make no mistake: the ride to any national championship in the ACC started one place that's and right. one place only. That's exactly right, right in here. the rain in South Bend, Indiana, right there. Yep, Chariot of Champions. Yeah. Chariot. It was an idea that was hatched
1: on the show a couple years ago. The new commissioner Jim Phillips made it a reality. Eric McLean riding shotgun where Chester was supposed to be sitting, but that's okay. And uh, we rode around rainy, wet, cold, beautiful in the fall, South Bend, Indiana. And that started NC State on their way to not only winning the ACC championship, but then right. going on to win the national title. So the ACC was right. seven yeah. national titles this year, tied with the Big 12. That run all started with the Chariot of Champions, South Bend, Indiana.
3: All started right there. Really? Really hard to believe that Boo Cargan has not sent you a ring. Doesn't have Across to. Cross-country national. I, I, you know what? I don't, yeah. I
1: don't want I, – I wear one piece of jewelry. It's a wedding band and a watch. I'm a watch guy. <laughs> I don't want the championship ring. It was all an honor to drive the charity champions, much like the shoe blimp at and, the uh, ACC tournament. And if we yeah, could have pulled off go. the uh, boat show at Lake Hartwell, uh, mm-hmm. which is still on my to-do list – uh, that would make it the triumphant right there. I don't need the ring.
3: There it's you all go. understood. Uh, so the Charity of Champions led to NC State's first national championship since 1983, and the women's cross-country title as well. Uh, here's a quick look at the winning day for yep. the Wolfpack. By the way, our uh, friend Hannah Steelman just signed a pro contract in running. Happy for her. She's great. So congratulations to her. Yep. yep. Terrific. Really good. Um Three ACC men's basketball teams reached the Elite Eight, and two made it to the Final Four, where we saw the first ever NCAA tournament meeting between Duke and Carolina, and, of course, the Tar Heels fell in the title game to KU. But uh, Miami, Duke, and Carolina gave us plenty to work with in late March.
1: Well, that's an understatement. The league really kicked everybody's rear end, quite frankly, for a conference that everybody liked to bury. You know who you are. Uh, We got to March when it mattered, and the ACC was spectacular. Now, granted, the object of the day is to put a banner up, and Kansas was the only one to do it. Uh, But North Carolina, Duke, Mm. and Miami, as you pointed out, Wes, they had remarkable runs in the tournament. It was spectacular.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wake Forest won the men's golf title in the ACC for the first time since 1989. That's a bit of a head scratcher. You think, wait a second, Wake Forest? No, no, they're really good. They they had to have won it since 1989. But we touched on this yesterday. When you start talking about dynasties, golf tends to go in in bulk, if you will. And there have been some schools that have stepped in there, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Uh, But Wake Forest wins their first men's golf team team. Yep, North Carolina since 1989. Uh, So congratulations to Coach Haas and the Deeks on that and Kim Llewellyn and the women's team. They doubled up in golf. And uh, our congratulations to Wake Forest for that. Um, Virginia Tech baseball reached the Super Regionals for the first time since dirt pack. Hokies had never been there before. Uh, Great story in
1: the spring in Blacksburg for not only baseball, but also softball, too. Um, But the fact that the Hokies in baseball were sitting there hosting for the first time for the go around. And again, I know everybody's a little disappointed Mm. in how it ended. But now here we are watching Oklahoma advance to the College World Series uh, Ultimate Series. Those Sooners might have been pretty good, Wes, at the end of the day. And they did the job in Blacksburg. But man, it doesn't detract... From what was a phenomenal run by Virginia Tech this spring. And not only just, like I said, not even just baseball, but softball too. It, it, they, uh, Hokie Nation had a blast watching everything on the diamond. Sure
3: did. Pretty cool. Um, Notre Dame baseball reaches the College World Series for the first time since 2002. One of the great stories in just three years, Link Jarrett has revitalized the Irish baseball fortunes. Uh, last year, Super Regional in Starkville in his first full season as their coach. And then he does a terrific job, obviously, this year and gets them all the way to Omaha where they go one and two.
1: Yeah, uh, beating Texas right out of the gate. That was the favorite going into Omaha. Texas was two in barbecue. Sorry, Lance on that in the back row. Uh, but again, <laughs> I, I know bummed out with the way they played those last two games in terms of the elimination part, but still. Man, it was a great season for Notre Dame baseball. Now the big story is going to be yep. what happens with Link Jarrett. Does he stay at Notre Dame? Does he get offered the opportunity to go to Florida State where he played? Uh, we'll see. That'll be a, to me. That will be a storyline here the next couple weeks.
3: Yeah, uh, individually, Tommy White of NC State set the freshman home run record all time with twenty-seven. Uh, I mean, he started off like a house of fire and even had a 3 home run game in the ACC baseball championship this year in Charlotte.
1: Yeah, he took him when I went left for uh, Italy there for 2 weeks. Uh, he went bonkers, didn't he? I mean, he went nuts again. Uh, yep. just a while, just we kind of get around with Elliot Ava and how he kept this guy quiet before the season started. And then he enters the transfer portal while I was gone, Wes. And you know, there's been some speculation he could end up at another ACC team, who knows. But, man, when he grabbed, uh, he grabbed the bat and got to the plate, man, you had to watch what was going on because he was liable to hit one about 500 feet on you if you weren't, if you weren't careful.
3: Yeah, it's crazy how good he was this year. Um, you know, it's interesting. In the spring, I can remember us in New Orleans in April telling Luke Hancock and Joel Berry and Carlos Boozer, hey, right here, see this, see this lacrosse game going on here with Boston College? You, you need to watch Charlotte North. And I remember Luke looking at us, and we go, because if you watch Charlotte North here, you'll have say you were able to see maybe the best lacrosse player ever. And she won her second straight Tawartan Trophy, fifth women's lacrosse player ever with multiple Tawartans, and Charlotte North delivered in a comeback season at an incredibly high-level pack.
1: Well, what's funny about that story you just told is when we told Luke that, because it was on ACC Network when we were down in New Orleans, like you said, Uh, Almost on cue, Charlotte North, in a matter of like 10 to 15 seconds, makes this crazy spectacular goal. And Luke Hancock had that look on on his face as if we were pulling a prank on him like, you guys knew that was going to happen. It was like, well, it happens so often when she played. That you were all, you got kind of numb to it. Like, hey, that's what she does every single time. But um, she's been on the program a half dozen times, a joy to talk to, handles herself with class. She's a big-time student athlete, a great player, and will be a tremendous pro. So nothing but success comes her way. Uh, But, man, she's been awesome to deal with here on the ACC Network.
3: Fantastic. Yep. Sure have. And uh, Carolina capped an undefeated season by winning the national championship. Jenny Levy's team was terrific throughout the year. Tested, certainly, in the semifinals and uh, also in the championship game, too. But nonetheless, Carolina posted the undefeated campaign and their third national title.
1: And I think really a shout-out to both North Carolina and Boston College. I know North Carolina had the hardware and the zero and the loss column, and that's remarkable. But those two teams played three times this year, and all of them were awesome. They played for an ACC title, a national Mm -hmm. title, and had, I think it was like a 16-15 game during the regular season. Um, And and they were like one, and I would do a West Durham here, they were one in 1A, or 1A and 1B. I mean, they were just neck and neck. And you got a sense after that first game of the regular season. In fact, I think I mentioned this. Wouldn't it be cool if we saw this game three times this year? Well, we did. And North Carolina won them all. Uh, But, man, what a run by the heels. I mean, they've had great teams. This one was really, really special. But we were all spoiled rotten again to see the excellence with both Boston College and North Carolina in women's lacrosse. It was outstanding.
3: All total, seven national titles and a lot of great individual and team performances in the athletic calendar. All right, when we come back, the worst of 21 22, the worst of the campaign pack. We will get to that when we continue. Packer and Durham on a Thursday on ACC Network. Packer and Durham.
1: Packer and Durham, it's a Thursday. Lucky number 653. We just went through a, a positive, good list, and we normally do best and worst. Yeah, we got the other side of things. Uh, there were some things that happened this past year for ACC teams, players, coaches that were um, eh, not exactly on the to-do list, Wes, but we, we cover all here, wow. good and bad.
3: That's it. That's it. Transparency is one of our pillars, is it not? Uh, That is exactly right, Mr. Durham. (laughs) All right. Uh, Top of this list is probably the ACC not having a team in the college football playoff for the first time. Yep. Um, You know, you had candidates, but, you know, there were there were bumps in the road along the way. Most notably, Clemson lost the marquee game at the start of the year to Georgia uh the league ended up being pretty good it's got a nice postseason record to show for it but you didn't have that one team you didn't have a team that could stay in the conversation uh, for the top four spots so it's a tough one but it's on the list and you're optimistic about 22 because it looks like you're going to have at least two or three to start out in the top 15 which is a which is a pretty good way to go um A team that started out in the top 10, and there was plenty of conversation in the fall, almost from the jump, about North Carolina. Uh, The Tar Heels in football, uh, even on opening night against Virginia Tech. The momentum never seemed to materialize here, Pac, for Mac Brown's team. Well, the momentum was the hype.
1: The momentum was uh, April, May, June, July, and August of seeing yourself in the top 10 and breakthrough seasons and Heisman hopeful and all that cool stuff. And then Virginia Tech said, hey, welcome to Lane Stadium, enter Sandman. And North Carolina had to look on their face mm-hmm. like, oh, what is this all about? And they really didn't respond. And, um, it, it, you know, for a team to be in the preseason top 10 to finish with a sub 500 record, uh, that's a bummer. Uh, so for Mac Brown, he's, yeah. he took total responsibility afterwards and said, we learned a lesson and we have gone back to work. They've revamped their staff. Uh, granted, there's some different question marks. There's different hype. All the hype's now across the road here in Raleigh, North Carolina for NC State football for the upcoming season. But, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? That North Carolina and an egg. And they were the first ones to admit it afterwards. And it was disappointing because they had you know, huge expectations from an individual standpoint and a team standpoint. But it, it started with North Carolina week one in Blacksburg with Rowdy Lane Stadium.
3: Mm. Um, just to show you kind of the parallels to football and basketball, but yet how postseason can change things in basketball. Don't forget the ACC finished the regular season with just one team in the top 25, and that was Duke. Um, one of the more curious deals in this was the ACC and a tough record against non-conference opponents who were actually ranked. Um, and at the end of the day, that probably impacted the number of teams that got in the NCAA tournament. Now, we just told you one of the highlights was having three in the Elite Eight. No question about it. But the regular season was a journey for the Atlantic Coast Conference. And, fact, I'll flash back a month and a half ago to May when we were in Amelia Island. That was a hard conversation the basketball coaches were having about how do we ensure a better production line for the NCAA tournament than the five teams they got in?
1: Well, the answer to that question is win. You know, W-I-N, games of note, just like it is in college football for the ACC. The narrative changes when you win. Uh, the conference did a lousy job winning important non-conference games early and it affected the narrative. And again, the AP voters, mm. and I don't need to beat up on them anymore, but you know, the tournament kind of proved that the voters didn't know what they were talking about. So it is what it is, but narratives change on wins and scoreboards. It's not the Joe Giglio Fantasy League. Hey, you got to go win the mm. game. You know, We do keep score right. here. And this is a conference that expects to be good and is a standard in basketball. You just heard Seth Greenberg say, Hey, if I was the marketing director, I'd say we're back because he thinks the league's going to be out of sight in 22-23. I think he's right. Uh, but, Wes, you can give me all the headlines, the newspaper clippings, the online polls, all the message board nonsense. None of that matters. We keep score, and you've got to win those games, the ones of note.
3: Yeah. Uh, let's pivot to the women's side. Uh, Wes Moore did a terrific job. His team won another ACC championship. But when the draw came out for the women's bracket, NC State had to go to Bridgeport, Connecticut and ultimately play UConn as the number one seed in just an amazing scenario by the NCAA committee. One of two committees this year that I'm not sure got it. I'd throw baseball in there too. Uh, Even though Ole Miss might be on the verge of winning the College World Series, I would still question some of the seating principles that teams went through in baseball and I would absolutely have this one circled up and uh, pointed at discussion when those committees meet to how they committee going forward Pac. Well you still got
1: to go win the game right I just I just preached that for two minutes mm-hmm. uh, but this was a this was a fail. this was a mistake and um, you know what? Hopefully it doesn't happen again. It's kind of ridiculous that a team who is the number one seed could potentially have to play mm. somebody—literally a road game. Uh, that's just stupid. That's just that's just bad uh, management. To be honest with you, that that was a whiff yep. decision. But at the end of the day, you still got to go win, and you still got to go play. And a credit to Wes Moore and his team. That NC State UConn women's game was one of the best basketball games I watched all year, regardless of gender. I mean, not only the the moment was tremendous, given the fact of where it was in the tournament, but the quality Mm -hmm. of play in that game was so good and the dramatics and the flair. And you had no idea how it was going to play out. But, yeah, the committee did not do any favors to NC State in that
3: department. Yep. Uh, Let's go to lacrosse. NCAA men's lacrosse. Oh, by the way, you left Notre Dame out. There's another miss with uh, by an NCAA committee, uh, despite being ranked fourth following the regular season. Really? I, I again, well, we
1: Wes, we we There ought to
3: we, be a committee to figure out how you committee.
1: Wes, we the committee had to make sure we had all seventy five Ivy League teams in there since they didn't play a year ago. Uh, it really was criminal that Notre Dame's men's program was not in the tournament. Now, again, Maryland proved to be the best team in the country. Nobody beat them. And give Maryland all the credit. But Notre Dame should have been in. Should have been in. It's that, yeah. not even a debate. I mean, the numbers didn't lie. I don't know what the committee was smoking because uh, they were doing something. That was a total whiff. Big time.
3: Yep. Um, let's pivot back to NC State again. Uh, another committee faux pas ncaa baseball committee left nc state out of the tournament after a COVID forfeit in the college world series the year before um, mike buddy the committee chair uh, former pitcher at wake forest also pitched in the bigs athletics director at west point discussed the uh non-conference strength of schedule as being one of the factors, but also said, "quote That was a tough one." Yeah. Well, that's a tough one to see NC State season come to come to an end on a committee floor as opposed to on the diamond. Yeah,
1: that's one way to describe it. I, I wouldn't have said that, but um, that's one way to describe it. Uh, I, mm-hmm. You know, I know it goes back to hey, just win more games. You don't put yourself in that position. You knew it was going to be a tough call, but I was stunned not to see NC State in the tournament. Totally stunned. But yep. what are you going to do, man? You got to go win more games. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do.
3: That was it. a tough break. Um, NC, uh, NC State, Notre Dame committee fails there on a couple fronts. Uh, three ACC baseball teams lost in the Super Regionals pack. That's a tough one that was determined on the diamond. Yep. Both North Carolina and Virginia Tech went by the wayside. So did Louisville in the Supers.
1: Hey, it's hard to win. But, you know, when you're at home, you got to close the deal. And North Carolina was at home against Arkansas and didn't get the job done, even took the lead. And that game two in the ninth inning and let that thing slip away like my Giants did last time against the Braves, you got to close. And North Carolina at home had to close and did not get the job done. Virginia Tech at home had to close and didn't get the job done. I will note, though, with those two schools, North Carolina and Virginia Tech, they were eliminated by Arkansas – And Oklahoma. And here we are in the College World Series. There's only three teams left Oklahoma, Arkansas, Ole Miss. So, you know, you you got beat by some pretty good competition, but you take no no mistake, Virginia Tech, North Carolina had great years. But I I was surprised Mm. how the Super Regionals turned out, Wes. If you would have told me with the four teams that were in it, who had the hardest job to get there, it's Notre Dame, and they ended up winning it. Louisville had to go on the road at A&M, lost two. But when you're at home, you, you got to be able to close. And we just didn't get the job done. That's it. Just didn't get the job done.
3: Same could be said about softball in terms of reaching Oklahoma yep. City as well. No in the Women's question. World Series because the ACC missed opportunities there as well. Most notably, here's Virginia Tech. Boy, what a tough couple of weeks. For Hokie fans, as it relates to advancing to uh, the national championship field, right?
1: Really thought Virginia Tech, Florida State would be there. I uh, thought both of them were national championship caliber good, uh, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Clemson had a terrific year, Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. But, man, Virginia Tech and Florida State in particular, you really got a sense that, hey, yep. they're going to get to Oklahoma City, and neither did. Uh, In some respects, uh, maybe as big a disappointment, I think from a sports perspective this year in the league, Wes, is the failure of our best teams not to get to the biggest stage. Uh, And with women's softball, maybe the number one on that
3: list. Yeah, I agree with you on that. All right, that's a tough list. We had the good and we had the bad. When we come back, the best of two a days. Help us get to the 9 o'clock hour. We review our two-a-day reports from the Atlantic Division as we head to next fall in ACC football next on Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer
0: and
1: Durham on a Thursday. Yeah, Wes, you mentioned 2 days We did the uh, Coastal Division yesterday, kind of a recap of our interviews, a little look ahead because we're about uh, less than four weeks away from ACC kickoff or media day where you're going to get bombarded, thank goodness, with coaches and players and predictions and all that cool stuff from Charlotte. Uh, but we kind of gave you a little head start. So in case you missed the Atlantic Division, uh, we're going to take care of you today.
3: Absolutely right. And we're going to start in Central New York on the block with Brent Axe of ESPN Syracuse, who told us about the quarterback situation and Garrett Schrader with the Orange.
4: Your comment about Schrader
2: is apt. I mean, look at it this way, guys. His top passing performance last year, 236 yards. The top six right. quarterbacks in the ACC last year averaged 254 yards a game. Now, no one's saying he's got to go out there and swing it like Leary or Hartman or some of these other guys. But what Robert and I and Jason Beck have to do coming over from Virginia, of course, is just get that level up and keep it efficient. As you said, use the passing game to throw teams off because, I mean, like you said, eight, forget it. Some teams might go nine in the box and be like, all right, Syracuse, throw the ball. We dare you.
3: Can Klubnik challenge for the position? And if so, is that a good thing for Clemson?
5: K-Klubnik can and will challenge for the position, and it's a great thing for Clemson. Uh, and not that DJ lacked desire or want to or that competitive fire. Last year, I really think that that Georgia game destroyed his confidence. I had a front row seat for that. I was down there on the goal line. I had gone down to the field early in the game to help my boss shoot a few photos. I saw how bad that offensive line was, and he didn't have time to throw the football. It affected him all year long, uh, but he came back uh, with the weight loss. It's going to enable him to be a little bit more of a factor in that read option, you know, pull the ball, run it game that Clemson is famous for. But I'll tell you about this Cade Klobnik kid. Everybody that that was able to watch the spring practices, they say, hey, this kid's the real deal. He's going to be really good. And at Dabo's camps, you know, he's he's one of those, you, know, you hear it in basketball all the time, a gym rat kid who's always in there shooting. Well, Kay Klubnick was always out there waiting for the kids to get off the field if he wasn't coaching. And he was finding a wide receiver to throw to. And he was out there in the heat, didn't matter. You know, if it was in the evening, it didn't matter. Uh, Kay Klubnick's always out there wanting to throw with somebody, and he's going to push him. And, uh, you know, he's kind of a slimmer guy. He's going to start the season a little over 200 pounds. He's got crazy skills in in the run game. So he's more of what Clemson looks for in a quarterback and I think DJ's going to have a hard time fending him off.
1: I just got the sense that Florida State, now I'm not telling you they've arrived because they haven't, because the standard of Florida State's this up here. But I was buying what Florida State was selling in the second half of the season. And I think with the transfer portal, and I think Norville's done a nice job in that department, guys are playing, you mentioned the youth movement. I get a sense that there is a, a, a within that locker room, a sense that hey, you know, everybody's going to talk Clemson, everybody's going to talk NC State, the Wake, yada yada yada. But Florida State's going to be a problem for people, and I, I think that's absolutely going to be the case in twenty two.
6: Yeah, they get they get to show it early on. I mean, obviously uh, the week zero game against Duquesne they're playing in August, and then the week after that is LSU in New Orleans, and then two weeks after that, after a bye week, is a trip to Louisville. I mean, those are two games. I mean, to di- to varying degrees and different situations, but I mean that's a there's a schedule right there. There's a chance to show. Uh, that Yes. I mean, do you need to win both those games? No, but I think you need to win at least one of them to kind of show that, hey, yeah, we're carrying over at least at least some of that from last year. I mean, you talked about the transfer portal. The interesting thing there is probably the guy who I think a lot of people were most excited about, either Jared Verse or Winston Wright from West Virginia. Winston Wright, we're still a little unsure. He was in a car accident over spring break, so I, you didn't get to see him in the spring game. We didn't really get to see him at spring practice much, and so, I mean, if, if he were, he's recovering, and I think he's, he's coming back pretty well. If he's able to get back for the season two, that's even another boost for them than what we saw in the spring.
1: I think there's a quiet confidence that no one's talking about us. We're going to be pretty good offensively, especially that offensive line. Malik Cunningham's back. There's some weapons. Defensively, we're good enough to be dangerous. And you know what? Nobody is laying a, any word about Louisville football in 22. Do you feel the same way?
0: I do think that there's a quiet optimism over there Uh, and maybe it might even be more uh, general than than this like they have a certain way of doing things like they are hands on and they are big on like being around the guys and just sort of a camaraderie and all that and COVID just sort of smashed all of that and I think it has just taken them a long time uh, to sort of get back to doing things the way it felt like they did that first year when when all the buttons they pushed seemed to really work and they weigh way overachieved yes I do think there's some real quiet optimism Uh, the offensive line is is better than it's ever been since Scott's been here Uh, they've got a a very experienced quarterback Uh, I think that they've made some personnel changes on defense address some of the needs in uh, the transfer portal and I think that there is a real eagerness to like just get through the summer and get to these games uh, and show that things are going to be a little bit different this year yes I do think there's a quiet optimism for sure
3: it feels like that both sides win with Blake James arrival as athletic director at Boston college.
6: Oh, well, I think it definitely is West. I think I've been extremely impressed with Blake James. And I think the thing about BC's AD position is you need some stability. And I think Blake James will provide mm-hmm. that. I think the guy can be a program, uh, a cultural, a cultural builder for them. I think he knows exactly what the ACC landscape is with his time at Miami. You can go back to him knowing New England with Providence and Maine, being the AD up in yeah. Maine. If you can live in Arno, you can live anywhere. I think it's one of those <laughs> things where Blake James is extremely confident. Uh, I think he's passionate. Uh, his press conference showed that. I know he was on with you guys yesterday, exhibited that yesterday. Yeah. So I think that was a terrific hire for BC. I want
1: yeah. to get into the hype of NC State football. Uh, Devin Larry put the quarterback sneak on us last week and zipped in here to the basement. Uh, mm. Joe, you've been covering them for a long time. You've been in the triangle for a long time. We, we've we seen hype, whether it be Duke basketball, last year with North Carolina football. Um, you've seen sports have that, hey, this is the year for us. Is this the year for NC State football in 22?
6: I'll say this. Think about this. NC State hasn't won the ACC tur- title. Since 1979 43 years Legitimately They've had what Two or three chances Over that time Where you go Into the season And you go NC State Has a has as good a chance As anyone else To win the ACC championship And O two 02 Is a year that comes to mind You really have to strain To find another year uh, So they know The opportunity In front of them Obviously with the extra year Of eligibility Created by COVID They have an older team That understands That opportunity So those are the good things for NC State. You know where you are at the jump, and it, it it won't take a miracle.
4: Feels
3: like Wake has got a bag of riches at wide receiver, and then we saw Horatio Fields in the spring. Um, it just feels like they can move it on just about anybody at this point.
4: Yeah, that, that offense – uh, it's a well-oiled machine. Like, Warren Ruggiero has, has built a monster. Um, you know, it, it, Donovan Green has played uh, – I've got it written down. He's played 12 games in his career. He's got 42 catches for 831 yards and four touchdowns. A.T. Perry had the season that I thought Donovan would have had last year had he not torn his ACL in the summer. Uh, so now you're you're looking at, you know – it's probably unrealistic for you to think that you're going to have two receivers with 1300 yards and 15 touchdowns each, but if both of them can go, you know, a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns each, and then you've got, you know, you're not even mentioning Taylor Marin uh, and Keyshawn Williams. You've, you've just got such a stacked receiver room that, you know, Sam Hartman can spread the ball around. Uh, He's got options and, and that's, that's a scary thought.
1: Mm. Appreciate all those gentlemen uh, who had joined us over the last uh, week and a half, uh, breaking down ACC football. Um, again, it's a, it's a kind of a perfect appetizer before the main course in Charlotte coming up next month, West, because it is go time when we get to around July nineteen, twenty twenty one. I believe, are the two or three days for the kickoff for the ACC. And, again, talking season officially begins in about two or three weeks. But when we get there, to me, it kind of feels like the start of the college football season.
3: All right. You have officially got my favorite terminology for the Atlantic Division when you said a month and a half ago it could be a fist fight. Fist fight. Um, Yeah. Um, Is this Clemson and NC State? No. in your mind right now, today?
1: No, no. How do you discount Wake Forest? I mean, they, they beat everybody last um, year, right? I mean, they're the ones who got the belt. When you start about the Atlantic, you got hardware? Raise your hand. Not not fantasy sports. Not We should have, would have, could have, should have. No, no. You either won, you lost. Who's got the belt? Wake's got the belt. So, you know, they're, they're trying to win another one, but you got to throw Wake Forest in there. with everybody coming back offensively with Sam Hartman back, they're going to score. They get Clemson early in Switzerland. Clemson's got to figure out the offense with the quarterback situation. NC State's loaded, but can they handle the hype? And I'll say it again. I said it a couple months ago. The ACC's Atlantic Division, in my opinion, is the one division in all of college football that the quote-unquote experts are going to sleep on. This division is going to be loaded. And not only those three teams I just mentioned, Are gonna be all preseason top fifteen and legit. But the Florida States, the Louisville's and the Boston Colleges, that next level. No disrespect, Syracuse. I'm not putting you in that group yet. But those other three are capable of beating anybody. So I think the division in the Atlantic is going to be extraordinary. I think it's gonna be outstanding and nobody is gonna talk about it nationally,
3: but believe me, it's gonna be really, really good. All right. Good points there. Uh, When we continue on this program, next summer, EA Sports brings back the college football video game that has been long gone too far. When they do, if you could put an ACC player on the cover, who would it be? Past or present, next. Next.
0: Tune in to Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.